Hey everyone, I'm your host Tom Shaughnessy and welcome back to Chain Reaction, a research-driven podcast that's a part of Delphi Digital. If you're not on Delphi's research portal, you're missing out on the critical analysis read by the top minds in the crypto space, so be sure to check it out. One quick housekeeping item, nothing said on this podcast is a solicitation to buy or sell any security or token or to make any financial decisions. Also, all advertisements and podcast sponsors are strictly for informational purposes only and not endorsements of any products or services. I may personally hold tokens mentioned on the podcast, and you can view our show notes below for our complete disclosures. Hey guys, I wanted to tell you how easy it is to open and fund an Alto Crypto IRA. All you have to do is open a traditional Roth or SEP Crypto IRA account, then get ready to invest. An Alto Crypto IRA is specifically designed for crypto investments. You custody with Coinbase, trading's tax-free, investment minimums are as low as $10, and gains grow tax-deferred, meaning you don't pay taxes until you start to take money out of your IRA. You can visit and open an account by visiting altoira.com slash chainreaction. With that, let's jump into the episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, today, I'm thrilled to have on Alex from River Financial, fresh off their recent raise. Alex, how's it going? It's going great. Thanks for having me on, Tom. Yeah, man. I'm excited about this. And uh, shout out to Rod at your, uh, at your company, because you're chief client officer for setting this up. Appreciate that, too. So, uh, Alex, let's dive in on you, man. How did you, uh, how'd you get started in crypto? How did you find out about the space? Yeah, so it actually, it's been a while at this point. Um, so when I was an undergrad in college, I went to the University of Maryland, College Park. Um, I was studying aerospace engineering, but was very interested in economics. Uh, started reading books on the side. Didn't actually take an economics class um, in school, but was reading uh, Milton Friedman, Thomas Sowell, and then eventually read Friedrich Hayek's Denationalization of Money. and got really obsessed with this idea of kind of questioning, you know, the concept of money as I knew it at that point, which was basically, you know, there's US dollars and that's just what we use as money. And um, kind of by the end of my college years, uh, this was in 2012, wanted to have this idea of building a financial institution that offered people access to money outside of the purview of the Federal Reserve or money that the government could print more of. And, um, I didn't know how that would work or how I would even build such an institution uh, or what how that money would even look like, uh, whether it would be commodity backed or something like that. And then the next year, I was taking some web engineering courses online and came across Bitcoin and just became totally obsessed because realized it, it like fulfilled this prophecy and it would allow such an institution to exist. And the genius of it was that it was neither private money nor government money. It was this new kind of concept that transcended any sort of categorization. And it was just, yeah. So, so I moved to San Francisco after that and it mostly been working on Bitcoin ever since. Um, I got a job out in San Francisco as a engineer at a Bitcoin startup called MyCoin. It was, this was back in 2014. They were, they were like kind of Coinbase, but for Taiwan, but they had an office in, in, Cali- in Palo Alto and then did that for a while, helped build that product out. Then ended up going back to grad school, uh, did my master's in computer science at Stanford, where I focused on security and, um, and uh, cryptography. I actually helped teach the first Bitcoin class there with uh, Dan Benet, who was the professor. I was one of the teaching assistants. So this was before Bitcoin was super popular in academia, but um, you know, it was, was pretty fun helping build out that course. 
And then since then, done a number of things. Most recently, I was at Polychain Capital, uh, helping build out some of their infrastructure and also was helping them um, do some investing, uh, finding venture deals in the Bitcoin space. So yeah, and then uh, after Polychain, uh, started started River. And you had uh, some light reading back in college. Those <laughs> those sound like they were pretty intense. Yeah, um, I, I don't even remember how I got started reading those kind of books. To be honest, I think I think I like when I was a freshman, I googled you know good first economics books, and someone suggested Thomas Sowell's basic economics. I was like, well, that sounds like exactly what I'm looking for, basic economics. <laughs> and it was just like this big fat book, but it was super digestible and accessible. I mean, he just did a really, Thomas Sowell is like kind of someone I really look up to. He just did such a good job at making it easy to understand these economic principles. And and at a higher level, you know, um, the, the importance of economic liberty and, and, and economic freedom. And uh, yeah, and then I think that just got me started down the down that line of thinking, basically. That's awesome. Yeah, I feel like a lot of the top founders in crypto don't really have finance backgrounds. I mean, most come from the tech world. And and two, there's a lot of people that start in like philosophy or literature or something else, and they end up like finding economics and then just fall down the rabbit hole. You know, I mean, your case, aerospace is, I'm sure, did you decide like actively against kind of pursuing career there? Or did you just get more interested in, in the other things you mentioned? So I... After, after, after four years of studying aerospace engineering, I, the reason that I didn't go into the industry directly was because I didn't know what my future would look like in such an industry. Um, it was kind of just at the beginning of kind of the new commercial space race, um, and it wasn't really a thing yet. Um, and it just seemed like all of the aerospace opportunities were in these long projects that took like years or decades oh, and you work yeah. for some government contractor and like you spend a year designing some little part for something that Congress could cancel. And it, it just wasn't something I wanted to sign up for. Um, so I did management consulting for a year to, to like kind of figure out what my next step would be um, and decided software was really where you could just move fast and um, build something and iterate uh, and so yeah, that's kind of where my thought line of thinking was. No, that that's awesome. I mean, it's crazy though that you were looking for something that eventually became Bitcoin and the, the gap between you kind of thinking about that and you finding it, it sounds like was what, like three or four years or something like that? Uh, maybe less, maybe like a year. Um, oh, damn. I mean, I, in, in, in 2012, I remember in the spring of 2012, I was really thinking about this idea of like private money. Um, and then- a year later, yeah, basically learned about Bitcoin. So that's, that's incredible. Let's um let's dive into River Financial, man. What is uh what's the the quick pitch on River Financial? Yeah, so River is the easiest place to buy, sell, use, and track your Bitcoin. Uh, we focus on making it really easy for people who are especially new to Bitcoin for the first time to uh, buy their first Bitcoin and take them on that journey and handhold them. We pride ourselves in our uh, very good client services. For example, we have a phone number people can call. Um, we have a lot of high net worth clients. Uh, we're kind of focused on the upper end of the market right now, kind of what we call the emerging affluent all the way up to the ultra high net worth individuals. Um, 
some of whom are Bitcoin OGs and just want a place that, you know, that focuses on Bitcoin all the way to people who have never bought Bitcoin before and are buying, you know, millions of dollars of it for the first time. And they want that high touch client service. That's incredible. So the upper end of the wealth spectrum here is, is interesting because a lot of people are focusing on retail first, right? Like I know Coinbase in my mind is, is retail first. I know a couple other startups are more retail first. How did you guys decide to go after the more institutional type market? Because it definitely is a different sell. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it's, I'm not even sure I would call it institutional um, because at the end of the day, it's just an individual. And that's fair. And, you know, and, and they, but they, they do have different needs um, because they often, there often is an institution involved in some way, shape or form, whether it's a, an LLC that houses their assets or whether it's, you know, um, a family office that we need to interface with and, and communicate with. Right. Um, but, you know, basically what we realized was if you look at the, fi- the, the Bitcoin space today, there wasn't really anywhere where somebody could send their friend who has money, who's used to, um, who's used to high quality financial services where they can call up their private banker, they can call their wealth manager and have them do stuff for them, right? Get, a, get an answer. Um, uh, there wasn't anything like that. I mean, I, I, I knew people with seven, eight figures of money in you know, uh, you know, some of these crypto companies and they couldn't even get anybody on the phone, right? Um, in the world of traditional finance, if you have like $10 million at an institution, they're picking up the phone for you. And oh, yeah. so, yeah. And, and so, you know, that's, that's why it, that, that was an opportunity, right? Basically it's kind of an industry wide complaint that client services in the crypto space is terrible. Um, people trust their banks more than they trust crypto companies and people don't really trust banks these days. So um, I think that says a lot of kind of, like how far the industry has to improve around client services. And so that was kind of one of the things that kind of inspired me to take this angle. No, that's, that's big. I mean, customer service is huge for a company. And I mean, a lot of crypto companies don't have them because the projects are anonymous or decentralized, or you have to dig into a community to find support. But it sounds like what you're building is the company first focus where you guys have like dedicated advisors for all of your um, contacts. Yeah, I mean, so for for our private client tier of services for the ultra high net worth people, we have dedicated advisors, um, but then we have more of the the mass market kind of the mass affluence to the high net worth folks buying you know tens of thousands, maybe a couple hundred thousand dollars of Bitcoin. They still have access to you know you know all of us at the company um, if they if they ever need help, um, uh, but you know it's it's kind of tiered, um, and as we scale, obviously, kind of the the the, the types of um, you know, not not every single person can get an individual advisor if there's buying, you know, something like $10,000 of Bitcoin. But our goal is that if you are buying $10,000 of Bitcoin, you can still get somebody on the phone. Um, we still have the best service uh, compared to anyone else in the industry. I wonder how many people or how many clients call you guys just for education. You know, what is Bitcoin? What, what does all this mean? Do you guys get a lot of that or is it more on the operational side of things? Absolutely. And, and that that's the kind of the other side of the um, approach here is, you know, client services isn't just about helping people when they have problems, right? Uh, if you look at the Bitcoin space today, there's a lot of people interested in buying Bitcoin. Blockchain Capital did a great survey back in 2019, and they looked at, um, you know, what percentage of people are interested in buying Bitcoin and what percentage of people actually have Bitcoin. 
And there's a huge gap there. And if you do the research and kind of look into it and talk to people, you realize it's just Bitcoin is very intimidating for people who are new to the space and they need a human to hold their hand and walk them through and take them on this journey. And so our client services isn't just about reacting to problems. It's about like helping people. Our goal as a company is to help take people who have never bought Bitcoin before and handhold them through this journey of buying their first Bitcoin, uh, understanding how to track it and look at their tax lots and all the financial reports, and then all the way to potentially someday self-custody. Uh, and so we're building out, um, we go deep onto Bitcoin and, and, and wide across financial services. So we're building out financial services, not just custodial brokerage like we offer today, um, but uh, you know, deep hardware wallet integration with, the, with non-custodial accounts where you can keep all of your financial reporting tools, but you control your keys all the way to tax advantaged accounts and things like that. That's, that's incredible. I mean, like the private client side, like I spent time on Wall Street, like that makes a lot of sense to me. Like I definitely think that that's in kind of an unmet need right now, especially on the customer service side and integrating with FAs and wealth managers and family offices. I definitely see the value there. The thing I'm wondering though, is it seems like the retail market is saturated, right? Like, I mean, everyone sends their friends to Coinbase or, or like uh, cash app or something like that. Like, how do you carve out a niche when you have you know, frankly, these giants with, you know, tons and tons of money to throw at this space. So I, I truly think that client services is a big differentiation there and also the, our product offering. Um, you know, our goal is to be the place people send their friends to. Uh, a lot of, we have clients who have switched over from, you know, the, the companies you just mentioned because they can't get help if they need it. Um, and if you think about what, what is somebody thinking when they're sending their friend to a company, right? Um, is this going to reflect well on them as somebody referring a friend? And our goal there is if you send your friend to us, your friend will be taken care of and they're not going to come back to you saying, you know, I opened an account. What do I do now? I have no idea what I'm doing. No one, I can't get help. Right. Um, we want people to know that if you send somebody to river, they're going to be taken care of. And that's how we win. And, and, and that, that's how we grow our business. And, and I think there, there is a huge opportunity. I don't think it's saturated. Um, there's a lot of people who want to buy Bitcoin and haven't bought any Bitcoin. And the, and the reason they're staying on the sidelines is that none of these companies have been successful at making Bitcoin less intimidating. Uh, and I think that's the key. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I'm, I'm having PTSD right now from when I used to send my friends to Coinbase in like 2018 and they would have to send like a support ticket and get a response back you know, five weeks later. I'm sure it's changed since then, but it definitely was a, a niche fix. Exactly. And, 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 you know, I think all of us in the industry, it's really easy to kind of um, forget what it was like the first time we ever bought Bitcoin, right? Um, everyone takes for granted the knowledge they have now. But if you put yourself in the shoes of somebody who's completely new to the industry, um, you know, for going to an exchange is just like, what the heck? I, most people don't know what an order book is or how exchanges work at all, much less an exchange with cryptocurrency, right? Um, a lot of people don't even know how to reason about, you know, starting to get started with this stuff. And uh, yeah, so, you know, there, there's a big just mental hurdle there for people. And it takes a human to talk to them to, to kind of walk them through it all. No, you're, you're totally right. So, I mean, so the thing about River, like what I'm getting from you is super straightforward, you know, the place you go to when you want to buy Bitcoin, like straight up, this is what we're targeting and, and really a huge focus on customer support. 
I guess to play devil's advocate, what's your take on growth though for River? Like, do you think that River will be, hey, the place to buy Ethereum or the place to buy Solana in the future? Like, I guess, how do you think through that kind of dynamic? So our hypothesis as a, as a company is that Bitcoin is going to continue to grow in its role as a store of value and a medium of exchange around the world. So we're focused on Bitcoin only. We think Bitcoin of all the cryptocurrencies is the one that's going to become you know, the money of the world, uh, the new, next reserve currency of the world. And so we're not building an exchange. We're building a, you know, a bank. We're not a bank, but we're building effectively what looks like you know, in a world with, where Bitcoin is money. What does banking look like, right? That and that, that's how we think about this. So, you know, our goal is to help bring people into Bitcoin and then down the road cross sell financial services, um, you know, for various uh, ways to manage that Bitcoin, right? Just as a bank would uh, with U.S. dollars. And um, so, you know, we're basically building a financial institution focused on, you know, w- the future of a Bitcoin, you know, a Bitcoin native world. No, that, that's so fair. It's a, I mean, it's a bit of a, a different take. It's, it's no, a, no, we it, actually it have is. a very different strategy than uh, the existing companies. No, no, you, you guys are. And I mean, just to let's dive into a couple of the questions. I mean, people probably have. I mean, two of the big ones that I would think about when buying Bitcoin is one security and then two kind of fees, you know, fees to the exchange or fees to the provider, and then maybe slippage. I guess we could start mm-hmm. with probably security. I guess, how do you guys approach um, security here? Yeah, so um, a lot of us at the company have very deep security backgrounds. Um, I'm, you know, a security professional by training. Uh, we have our, our chief security officer, uh, John Jonathan Wilkins, was the former chief security officer at Blockstream. So we have very deep Bitcoin security knowledge in the company. We built everything from the ground up the right way, uh, as if we were building, you know, the world's biggest Bitcoin bank. So we have uh, the majority of funds offline in deep cold storage with. Um, and one of the benefits of being Bitcoin only is our infrastructure can focus and uh, take advantage of Bitcoin protocol level security tools. So, for example, um, our, our cold storage uses multi-sig, native multi-sig on Bitcoin, right? So that means we have a number of keys that have never been in this, that have, that have never been in the same room, never come together. And um, uh, it requires multiple signatures to move any of this money. Now, if we abstracted our cold storage across a lot of different coins, we would have to build an arbitrary secret store using something like Shamir secret sharing or something like that, or kind of multi-party computation stuff that's just much more complicated and, and has lower security guarantees. So, um, you know, starting with the cold storage, you know, we, we built it kind of the Bitcoin way. And then on top of that, we have our, our servers, which we uh, self-host. So we have our own physical server cluster. It sits in a 2000 pound vault. Um, and so all of our core services run on that. We don't run um, anything really sensitive in the cloud. Uh, and so we kind of built this whole thing in a very paranoid way with security with security first. And everyone's account has two-factor authentication um, enforced. It's not an option. You have to have two-factor authentication set up. And then we'll be rolling out kind of a number of really cool you know, security upgrades to, to accounts um, over the next year. We have a lot of cool ideas. Hey guys, I wanted to tell you how easy it is to open and fund an Alto Crypto IRA. All you have to do is open a traditional Roth or SEP Crypto IRA account, then get ready to invest. An Alto Crypto IRA is specifically designed for crypto investments. 
You custody with Coinbase, trading's tax-free, investment minimums are as low as $10, and gains grow tax-deferred, meaning you don't pay taxes until you start to take money out of your IRA. You can visit and open an account by visiting altoira.com slash chainreaction. That's, yeah, that's awesome. A lot of questions there. I mean, the, the 2,000 pound vault, I mean, that must have been crazy to build or buy. How, how'd you go about handling that? Or it sounds like a crazy construction project. It's actually hard to get your hands on one. Um, the, because the, the, they're, they're made for the DOD. Um, they're made oh for the military. God. These are, so these are uh, the type of vaults that sit in um, military bases where uh, they, they contain the servers in the military bases, basically. And so, um, you know, they're, the, the people who sell these aren't used to selling them to uh, random small startups. That must have been an odd call for you. Hey, uh, I want to store internet money in a 2,000 pound vault. How much? <laughs> yeah, exactly. We had to work some connections there. Yeah, that, that's incredible. And the other thing you mentioned was Bitcoin's native multi-signature system. For those new to the space, do other providers that use cold storage use Bitcoin's native multi-sig system or... Do they use a different type of system that you know about? Like, is that a differentiator for you guys? Yes, it, it is a differentiator. So most of the multi-coin companies will use a, a will use a cold storage that works across all different coins. So they'll be storing kind of arbitrary secrets um, that you know, so that they can support any chain down the road, regardless of what the keys look like. Uh, and so that typically means. That, that that will often mean that the key material at some point all comes together. Um, whereas with Bitcoin native multi-sig, that isn't the case. Now, there are some providers that do use Bitcoin native multi-sig. BitGo, for example, does use Bitcoin native multi-sig. Uh, and there are other people. But um, no one's, no one's uh, infrastructure is advanced as ours because we also built our own wallet from the ground up. Uh, and so um, we can't, we're ready to leverage kind of the net, the latest and greatest functionality of the Bitcoin protocol um, as it upgrades, um, and because we only focus on Bitcoin, we're not going to be you know lagging with you know Taproot update when when Taproot launches, like we'll be ready with that, right? And now the multi-signature addresses can be um, uh, kind of uh, schnorr, uh, not to get into like the cryptography details, but basically we we can always move fastest with, as the Bitcoin protocol up, up, updates and we'll always be ahead of the pack there. That's, that's incredible. And the other thing, I mean, I'm just looking through like the security you guys have, like, I just love that you have not recommended for SMS text for two factor auth and you prefer Google auth. Like it's just little things like that for new people though, to the space, they might not understand why they don't want to use SMS and text, but like, that's a big deal for people to be aware of. I'm glad you guys put that out there. Yeah. And then we also, I mean, we, we also see it as our mission to help people who want to learn, you know, self-custody and get those coins off of our platform. So, um, you know, one of the things that we're going to be rolling out here in the next month is um, a harbor wallet account is what we call it. And uh, just to explain a little more what that means. So when you sign up for River, you automatically get one account. It's called, you know, your individual account. It's a brokerage account. Um, and then the, as we roll out new products, these are gonna be different types of accounts. Just like you would have a checkings account at a, at a bank and a, and a savings account, and you know, or a, a your you know tax advantage IRA or something at a bank, uh, we're going to have different products uh, with for, with different account types. So we're rolling out a Harbor Wallet account where you can actually uh, connect your ledger or Trezor and see all your coins on River from your ledger, see all your transactions, 
And our wallet infrastructure knows how to generate addresses for your ledger. It knows how to watch the blockchain for your ledger. And then when you buy Bitcoin on River and you transfer it to your Harbor Wallet account, we'll actually also transfer over all the tax data. Um, so you can keep track of all your cost basis on all of your tax lots and all of your financial reporting for coins that you custody. Wow. Yeah, no, the tax issue is, that's incredible. You guys are really, I guess, since you guys are focused only on Bitcoin, you really don't have to worry about doing all of these things a hundred times because you could just focus on building out one system for everything or, or one system for each aspect that you need. Exactly. And, you know, when people ask me, are we, you know, sacrificing anything by focusing only on Bitcoin? I say, no, actually, it's economically rational to focus on one thing and do it well, focus on the biggest, most popular thing and do it better than anyone else. And everyone else other than Cash App is hamstrung by the technical debt that they have from having to support, you know, dozens and dozens of, of assets. And, um, you know, I like I just like to give an example. Even if we supported one additional type of blockchain, that would cause the complexity of our system to you know at least quadruple, right? Um, and and so because there's all this abstraction, we'd have to do all of a sudden across kind of every single thing we've built. And um, you know, if you just do one thing, you know, our motto is do one thing and do it well. And so yeah. No, I like that. And how do you how do you guys think through fees like and being competitive there? How how is that on River? Yeah, so our fees are um, it, so it depends on the amount you're buying. So um, right now our fees are pretty similar to the other brokerages like a Cash App or a Coinbase. Um, you know, I would say kind of our service right now is not for the professional trader, uh, the person who is you know used to placing complex you know uh, you know who's used to doing their own order execution on exchanges or multiple exchanges. Um, we actually front the liquidity for most of our clients. So when a user buys Bitcoin from us, we're, we're fronting the liquidity on their behalf and they, they post that, they, you know, they're sell, selling with us later over ACH. So, you know, we basically allow you to sign up, uh, connect your bank account and within two minutes buy Bitcoin at the price today. And you don't have to pay us until we pull it from your bank account a few days later. So, um, because of that, you know, we're not as cheap as, you know, um, placing limit orders on, you know, uh, some, some exchange, but we think that it's worth it for the convenience. No, I mean, being able to buy a large amount quickly is great because, you know, whoever I sent to other exchanges, they're always rate limited by, you know, how small their account is or how new they are. And it's just, frankly, it's annoying for people that are sold on the idea and just want to make a big purchase. Yep. And then for people who do really want to move some serious size, you know, they can call us, send in a wire that day, and we'll place an order over the phone for them. Um, so, you know, we have clients who wire in millions of dollars, and they just call us up. We we give them a, we give them a quote over the phone, and they place it the old school way. But a lot of people like that; it's just really convenient. Oh yeah, all the top funds, family offices—they want to speak to a person, and they're definitely not going to do this over an app. Um, that's for sure. What are you? Um, I mean, isn't there like a you don't have to get into it if you can't, but I mean, isn't there like a working capital issue here though? Like if you guys front all the Bitcoin and then the price goes down before you settle up or, or am I thinking about that wrong? Well, yeah. So there's a, so that's why a business like this is actually a lot of work. I mean, um, you know, kudos to Coinbase for kind of, you know, make, getting this model working is, uh, you know, it does take a lot of work to figure, to handle fronting liquidity for orders coming in on the web, processing these payments, handling all the edge cases with, um, you know, those payments failing with uh, fraud, 
uh, in, in all of those things, right? It's there's a there's a there's a plethora of problems to solve to get a company like this right, and um, we're taking it one step at a time. But so far, it's going well in terms of working capital. Uh, yes, you know we we are because we're fronting this liquidity. We have a lot of cash management needs, and um, that's just part of the business. And so as we scale, you know, we need to get creative with that, um, whether that's setting up our own post-trade settlement agreements with, uh, you know, counterparties we trade with or um, kind of more uh, clever financing uh, approaches. So these are, all, these are all things that are kind of at the core of what we do. That's awesome. Yeah. And I want to focus a little bit more before we close out on the institutional side, because I think that's like an untapped market, like dealing with family offices, dealing with advisors, you know, wealth managers, yeah. stuff like that. The only thing I'm wondering about is like, and not to harp on competition, but like Galaxy and Back rolled out a white glove service. Like I'm sure Fidelity's, you know, going to aggressively target this at some point. Um, and they have a mm-hmm. solid team. Like you have Coinbase with their kind of pro platform. Like, how do you think through that pie? Because I think we both agree that it's underserved. And I think we both agree that there's, massive value and a ton of money sitting on the sidelines with these people. But I'm always kind of, I always look at things like competition in mind first, and it seems like a, a tough barrier to overcome. Yeah. So, I mean, right now, our big thing is just making it very easy for the individuals and building a brand so that all of our clients are so happy that they're recommending their friends. That's our core focus. And our, our, our you know, we, if we can do that, we, we can win. Now, when it comes to the RIA market and the institutions and trying to crack that nut is very challenging because it's all very heterogeneous. And there's, a, you know, they, all these RIAs are very, they, they use their own systems. They're, they're spread out across a number of different trading systems. They want to use tools that integrate with theirs. Um, and frankly, we're still trying to figure out all that. One, the one thing we've re- realized is like, we cannot make everyone happy. So we have to focus. And so our focus has been kind of like the individual and kind of manually interfacing with, you know, with, with their family offices or, or RAs as that comes. I do think there is a big opportunity here to serve as a, you know, platform down the road for people who are RIAs. Um, but how that might look is still something we're thinking through. Um, because as I mentioned, you know, a lot of this is like a systems integrations challenges because these RAs are all using their own systems and they want any Bitcoin they buy to uh, kind of integrate into their reporting tooling and all that. So I don't have a perfect answer. We're still figuring all that out. No, no, that's, that's fair. I mean, it's the thing that I guess is important to be when you guys are approaching this and, and what you guys are hitting on is you know, if you have a massive multi-billion dollar fund that's diving into the space, like they're not going to figure out Binance or Coinbase to do this. And they, you know, they want yeah. someone on the phone, they want customer support. I mean, it's things that like we take for granted in crypto because like a new generation, but what a lot of crypto forgets is that there's so much money at these funds waiting to dive in. And there's really not that many great services for them to do so. Absolutely. I mean, I think there's a big opportunity there. We've done a lot of thinking about this, like, you know, how to service a fund. So I would actually break it down into, um, I would break down the institutions into almost three categories. There's kind of the institution in name only, which are kind of, which are just LLCs or solely owned um, entities that use just house assets. That's basically a consumer. There are the funds and financial institutions. And then there's operating companies that want to use Bitcoin as money to pay people. And I think for the funds and, and, and institutions like that, 
There's a massive amount of capital there. Um, there's a big opportunity. And that's something I think that we're going to be well positioned to help with uh, down the road. And um, then the operating companies as well as an interesting one that's often not looked at. But for both the, the funds and the operating companies, one of the biggest barriers is accounting and understanding how to even deal with this new type of asset, right? And um, you know, when I talk to accountants or, or, or people who run companies and they, they're kind of considering, you know, they have employees that want to get paid in Bitcoin. I mean, the biggest challenge is the accountants just kind of, it's a massive headache to deal with anything in that, anything like that. So there's a lot of really interesting accounting challenges to solve. Uh, and, and I think the person who can solve that will, will you know, be very um, successful. I'm with you there. So, you know, share some, uh, share some candid thoughts with us here. What was the craziest client call you've had so far? If you could share it, is this like a, a massive purchase somebody did, or, or is it something that caught you by surprise? And you know, if you want to talk about growth on the platform too, that would be uh, awesome to hear too. Yeah, no, well, I mean, I have a lot of stories. Um, I mean, there's a really cool ones where, you know, someone's calling in, they want to make massive orders, which we always love to see. Um, but you know, I think the funniest ones have been the fraudsters. Uh, and you know, the kind of things people, the kind of things people try to pull, um, you know, obviously we're very, we're very, uh, you know, we never reveal client data to anybody. So I'll I'll be very vague when describing anything, but, um, you know, we've had clients who have been tricked, uh, into, you know, uh, online romances at some times and things like that. And, um, (laughs) they're calling because, you know, their, their online romance is asking them to, uh, you know, send send Bitcoin, uh, so that they can buy, you know, gift cards. And, uh, you know, you have to kind of break it to this person that, you know, this is not actually, <laughs> you know, a, a, a relationship you want to be in. Um, and so that's yeah, crazy. A, you went from starting a Bitcoin company to, to telling people their hinge dates are fake. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of interesting things like that. I think the fraudsters are the most entertaining, although, you know, it, you know, it's, it's, it's funny in hindsight, but you know, it, it, it is actually a serious problem. There's a lot of identity theft out there. And, um, we try to really help anyone who comes to us, even if they're being tricked into buying Bitcoin, we, we try to really just tell them, Hey, like, you know, this is a, you know, a trick. You probably don't want to buy Bitcoin right now. Like this person's tricking you come back. If you ever real, really actually want to buy Bitcoin, but you should be doing this right now. Um, so we try to help save people from identity theft when we, That's when we insane. see it. It's, it's crazy what you have to deal with when you start a company. It's like all those random indirect things that you didn't think you'd have to do. Like for VCs, they have to be therapists. And for you guys, you have to watch out for these crazy dating apps. It's wild. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, no, it's, yeah, it, a lot of, a lot of funny stories there. <laughs> so yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. So Alex, you guys raised, you know, close to 6 million bucks recently, which is incredible. Um, given you guys are, are new, I know this has been a work in progress for a while, which is amazing. What do you, um, like how's growth been like on the platform and, and what is like your go-to metric when you wake up? Like, is it number of clients? Is it like average balance per client? Is it volume? Like, what do you look at that really, you know, makes you happy about forever? Yeah. So, um, growth has been great. We're, we're seeing very steady, organic, acceleration of our user growth. And to, to your question, um, user growth is our biggest focus, uh, quality user growth, really. Um, 
And so, you know, we have a few heuristics internally that we use to kind of determine what's a quality user. Um, but we really focus on the user growth because uh, that's kind of the, that's the most actionable metric that we can have, right? Um, saying we need this many users per week or this many users per month. Uh, volume is a metric we pay close attention to because it is, our, it is our main revenue driver right now. But down the road, we see us we see us um, kind of cross-selling multiple financial services. So we and we don't want to be reliant on just fee volume fee revenues from volumes because it's just also much less out of our control. It's so driven by the market and macro things that we don't have any influence on that, um, you know, sitting around and waiting for a price movement so that we can make some money is not how we want to be living. No, I'm, I'm with you there. That, that makes a lot of sense. And one of my other questions unrelated to that, but I want to make sure we get it, um, is just when you guys are going out to the private client division, like I'm always wondering, like, do you, do you, view River as something that will integrate with, say, the Oppenheimers of the world and the Wells Fargo's of the world for these FAs and wealth managers? Or like, will they build out their own systems to buy their clients Bitcoin? Like, how do you foresee that playing out? Because there's a lot of money there on the sidelines of, you know, people actually, you know, everyone talks about, hey, if everyone allocated 1% to Bitcoin, but like, this is a key bridge that has to be built before that can happen. Yeah, I mean, there's two possible futures. One is that we're helping service those institutions to, you know, provide Bitcoin services to their clients. The other is we steal their clients because they don't provide Bitcoin services and their clients want that. And we expand, you know, across not just Bitcoin financial services, but financial services in general. Um, you know, our goal is to at some at some day down the road be a large financial institution providing a broad array of financial services to our clients. And we see Bitcoin as our main differentiator in terms of, you know, the broad financial services industry. Uh, so, you know, uh, we'll see. That's a, that's incredible. I mean, that's a, it's a crazy vision. I'm trying to think through like, would it be easier for you guys to add all the traditional financial services become a bank or for the bank to add crypto and seeing how slow banks move at adding crypto and just, you know, the cultural stuff that they're against. I feel like it would be easier for you guys to just grow into a bank. I mean, that's, that's kind of how we think about it. The way, from what I can tell, you know, the incumbent financial institutions aren't culturally or technologically prepared for a Bitcoinized future, right? And so if that future does materialize, we're going to be very well positioned to capitalize on that. That's how we think yeah. about it. No, I'm with you. I'm not downplaying how hard it would be to be a bank, like legally and technically it would be insane. But oh, yeah. I just think the banks <laughs> are so hamstrung. Yeah, like the banks, they don't they don't want to like culturally get past it. And hey, look, I don't think it's a I don't think it's like an ignorance thing. I just think like, hey, you know, you have people at a traditional bank, they have their job they do every day. Like it's not really their job to, you know, be on the cutting edge of Bitcoin and Lightning Network and Schnorr. Like I, I guess I could understand it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, and if you put yourself in their shoes, that there's a risk to servicing Bitcoin, and banks are extremely, from a regulatory perspective, risk averse. And, you know, if you're making a gajillion dollars with your bank charter, um, are you going to risk that for, you know, maybe initially, you know, a couple million dollars of revenue for some Bitcoin thing, right? How do you convince a CEO of a multi-billion dollar bank to do that, right? Um, that's it, really it, good framing. Yeah. And so that's how they're thinking about this. And so, you know, it would take a bank CEO to be 100% bought in 
to, 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 and good luck convincing the board as well, right? Um, and the regulators uh, who regulate you. So it's, uh, you know, and banks have all these ratio, uh, you know, requirements they need to maintain. And then if they have Bitcoin on their balance sheet, what does that mean for these ratios? And if the Bitcoin price spikes or jumps or, you know, so um, yeah, I, you know, I don't blame the banks, right? They're kind of, they're, they're, they're ossified um, kind of by nature. And, but, you know, if the future, if, if things change very fast, they're not going to be prepared. No, I'm with you there. And switching to the other side of the river, you know, pun intended here, you know, what what's your take on like, you know, decentralized exchanges and liquidity pools and stuff like that overtaking like the centralized exchanges? And I know you guys aren't like an exchange per se, like you're a financial services company. I totally get that. But at some point, like the lines start to blur here. And, you know, the fiat on-ramp is obviously a huge differentiating factor and customer service and stuff like that. But I guess directionally, do you think that decentralized exchanges and liquidity pools and AMMs and stuff like that will actually take down or take over the centralized exchanges? You know, I, I would be surprised if they take it over. The reason is that there's just so much, there are so many efficiencies from centralization. And I think at the end of the day, um, trust is beautiful, right? When you can trust somebody and you can trust an institution, you get so much more economic activity. You get so much, uh, you can offer services for much cheaper because you're not thinking adversarially constantly. And so, you know, in, in a civilized world, we do have institutions we can trust. And I think that's always going to be the case. That said, I do think there's a very interesting world for decentralized uh, exchange, whether that's for kind of escaping regulatory regimes in other places to, you know, maybe there are some efficiencies there that, you know, we, we couldn't get because centralized institutions are, you know, getting too greedy and, and rent seeking. And they have these regulatory moats that prevent anyone from competing with them uh, outside of a decentralized system. So I don't know, um, but I, I would anticipate definitely both will continue to exist. And I'm not sold that decentralized exchanges are gonna be bigger than centralized exchanges, but I do think that there's a cool future there. And I think River even is, you know, we're very interested in decentralized tech down the road and enabling stuff like that. I mean, we've thrown around the ideas of, you know, helping, uh, you know, you know, being an Oracle for discrete log contracts and trading those things and stuff like that. So we're paying attention to this space. I think there's a lot of interesting stuff there potentially. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree that there's a lot, a lot of interesting stuff going on there. And just to close out two last questions for you, Alex. First, um, with the funding, what's on the top of your laundry list of things you want uh, forever? Like, I'm not sure if you guys have an app yet. Like, is that on the roadmap? Is it more internal? Like, you know, continuing to build out that security and customer service or, you know, where are you hoping to, you know, spend the money to fuel growth? Yeah. So we have an app coming this summer. Uh, it's been highly requested and we have it. A, we, uh, a few months ago, we hired an awesome iOS developer. Um, so we have an, an iOS app coming uh, in August is the target is, is our target for launching that. Um, we have this Harbor wallet account rolling out. Um, and then we have some other, uh, some other um, custodial financial services, uh, that will be launching uh, in late summer, early fall. So I won't I won't give those away yet. So, but but basically, you know, we're focused on mobile and going broad across financial services, both at the protocol level in the decentralized world with this hardware wallet account and you owning your own keys to uh, kind of other centralized financial services. So we want to be this institution that you can trust, but you don't have to trust. That's our goal. And we think that if we can build that institution, we'll win a lot of business because people will always want to use the institution that 
um, has this uh, structure set up so that, you know, if we try to do any funny business, people are just going to leave, right? If we make it easy for people to leave, if we, if we uh, uh, do wrong by our users, then we'll do well, right? Because kind of the structure, we forced ourselves to, to continually be honest. And that's the kind of company that I want to build. Yeah, that's, that's huge. And the other question for you is, you know, what, what do you think is the biggest like risk to your business? I mean, look, I mean, I have a ledger and like, sometimes it keeps me up at night. You're over here with, you know, a ledger, you know, I'm oversimplifying all the security you guys do, but I mean, it's just putting myself in your position. It's just, I don't know if I would sleep knowing I'm custodying all those assets. How do you deal with that? Well, you know, our custody is distributed, right? So there's no single point of failure. Um, and we've made sure that, you know, uh, that those risks are, are addressed in our storage and it does help us sleep well at night. It's constantly tested, it's constantly used. And, um, you know, it, so, and because of kind of the rigor that we've put into it, I, I do sleep well. Um, but that said, you know, as we scale, uh, there's going to be more and more challenges. Security always keeps me up at night. Um, you know, it's more the security that's, you know, is more um, unnerving is just like the, the server security, right? And, you know, you have hackers always trying to, break in and um, you have to be right 100% of the time. And uh, we have a, a, an amazing team there. So, uh, but it's something that we're, we're always vigilant. And um, yeah, so that's just, a, that's just a, uh, that just comes with the territory when you're running a Bitcoin company. No, no, I'm totally with you there. And you guys, I mean, I'm going to link to your link to you guys in the show notes. Everybody check out I want everyone to check out your security page. You guys got a lot going on there that, and a lot of thought and planning that went into that. Well, Alex, this yeah. has been a, a pleasure having you on, man. It's great to meet somebody who's, you know, building a company so fast and has got such great support and kind of has a, a clear focus. I, you know, after speaking with you, I know you're servicing retail and, and you know, more of the private client side. I'm, I'm pretty bullish on your private client division. I think it's a, an unmet area to kind of link financial services with crypto, but I know you're focused on both, but you know, I'm biased here from the outside. <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah. And, um, you know, anyone listening would love to, you know, they, they can feel free to reach out to me personally, if they have any interest. I'm alex at river.com. Uh, easy, easy to get in touch with me. Alex, I, I keep track of this. You're the second person to share an email on the pod. I love that. It usually shows people that are relentless. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, we have a lot of clients. I, I call a lot of our clients as well on the phone and, um, you know, we really like to get to know our customers. That's awesome. I appreciate that. And Alex, where can people find out more about River if they're on their phone or just on their uh, laptop? Yeah, river.com. It's really easy. River.com. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at River Financial. Um, yeah. That sounds like the second hardest thing to negotiate. First was the 2,000 pounds safe. Second was definitely this URL. <laughs> oh, yeah. We, uh, you know, we, 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 I think we got a pretty good deal on that. It definitely wasn't cheap. But um, when we found that was available and we, we, we knew it was the perfect name. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Well, Alex, thanks so much for coming on, man. Definitely have you on again soon. Thanks, Tom. It was a pleasure. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed it, please support the show by hitting subscribe on iTunes, writing a review, or sharing this episode on Twitter and LinkedIn. And stay tuned for our next episode out soon.